what makes my outfit a lot different than everybody else's is I focus on quality instead of quantity. Um, pulled over in a spot, I left, let out a bugle, had a just giant gnarly bull hit me back. And his bull went four, at least 405. To break the 400 mark in and of itself, maybe four dozen guys have done it ever. My archery guy this year, for instance, um, he's killed. It's close to 20 bulls with a bow, but I don't know if that's right. I remember talking to somebody. They're like, oh, I had six years where I didn't even kill an elk. Is that people have to feel like they need to measure their success by that when that's not what it's about at all. You've got to kind of have a humble approach to all of it. The second you start peacocking around about how big of bulls you've killed and how much experience you have, the less guys want to talk to you. This is Ryan Carter with DC Outfitters. You're listening to Living Country in the City, episode 42. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 42 of Living Country in the City. You know, Archery Elk is pretty much wound down just about everywhere and uh, thought it would be a lot of fun to sit down with my good buddy Ryan Carter of DC Outfitters and talk elk for a while and recap the season for a little bit. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So, uh, Ryan, thanks so much for hopping on the call, man. What up, dude? Um, so, always like to start out with maybe just a little bit of history about you. You know, how'd you start getting into the outdoors, getting into hunting? Uh, well, I grew up hunting. I went with my grandpa a lot and my dad here and there. Kind of wasn't into it all that much. Uh, all through high school, uh, early parts of college, I was a big skater, snowboarder. Hunting was kind of a, I don't know, I was put on the back burner. Um, when I was around 27, I got into a really bad uh, dirt bike wreck, smashed my body up pretty bad. When I got out of the hospital, dirt bikes were gone. <laughs> kind of had to slow, slow down a little bit. So I stopped at my local shop, picked up a bow, haven't looked back. As bow hunting is my passion. That's what I care about. It's what I do every day. I love it. Definitely understand that sentiment. I actually, it wasn't dirt bikes for me. It was uh, it was a street bike, but I definitely 
I took a couple of trips to the hospital and got rid of that and pretty much traded in all the uh, all the bike gear for uh, hunting gear, picked up a bow and same kind of thing. Haven't looked back since. So <laughs> story definitely uh, rings a bell with me. Um, yeah, so you, you kind of you grew up hunting, you dis, uh, disappeared for a while, got back into it. Um, now you're, you're guiding, you're, you're out pretty often. Um, I imagine, uh, about how many hunts would you say you go on each year? Uh, whether your own or maybe like how many, how many do you, would you say you guide each year? And then how many, uh, do you actually get to go on and, and hunt for yourself? Um, so I actually don't hunt very much for myself. (laughs) I don't, and I don't go on that many hunts. I, what makes my outfit a lot different than everybody else's is I focus on quality instead of quantity. Um, I'm not the outfitter to call. If you just want to show up, kill a decent bull, go home. Um, that's not my style. It's not what I'm there to do. I am there to capitalize on killing the oldest age class possible. So doesn't matter the unit. I kind of guide on a bunch of units the last three or four years, one in particular. But what I do is I find the age class that's in there. I try to target one or two or 10 bulls and really hone in and kill one of them. Um, I, I, it's a one-on-one type thing. It's all quality. I, I have no interest in just knocking out elk. So um, it's not what I do. But not that it's a bad thing. I, I love hunting. If your if your goal is just to kill an elk and you're in Colorado, by all means, there is no need to set trail cameras. There's no need to trophy hunt. It's a matter of just going out and getting the meat and enjoying the experience. And I love that. It's not what I do with my outfit, though. So I, I do things a little bit different than most guys. But, I, you know, good or bad, it's it's what I do. Well, you know, and I talk about this with a lot of people, you know, some people get a little testy or whatever, you know, when you say you're going out and trying to kill these older age class bulls or, you know, the the forbidden term trophy hunting, you know, God help us if we use that, right? But that's an important part of conservation. You know, I was just talking about this with someone today that that's how, you know, you tell an older age class bull is you look at that, you know, you look at that rack either. I mean, there's a lot of different qualities of that bull. Um, but, you know, those older bulls are the the ones you want to take because it keeps the herd young and strong and helps ensure ensure its longevity. Well, and that's the whole point. Uh, you know, people can look at the term trophy hunting negatively. I, I, I could care less. People who know what conservation is and understand how it works. They understand the older age class hinders growth, like straight up. They older bulls just do like we do as old guys. We lose our sex drive. We just kind of get old and ornery. We don't. We still go through the motions. We still, you know, just like elk go through the rut, right? They'll still herd cows. They'll still push things around. They still do what they do, but they don't breed as many cows or they don't harness the energy. They, they spend more time moving the cows than they do actually breeding them or trying to pull the hot cow aside. The herd actually hinders by having an older age class animal. In them. So 
trophy hunting, whatever. I don't, I don't care how people look at it. If they know what conservation is, it's a different thing entirely. And people can have whatever philosophies they want. I hold my like social media platforms to my standards because I believe that's what conservation is. And they can keep their Disney philosophies, whatever they're, that's, that's all on them. I don't care. I like that. I like that term a lot, the Disney philosophy. But, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of your social media, you know, uh, you posted, I want to say maybe last week, uh, a week or two ago. Um, and, you know, it has a lot to do with, you know, if we want to call it trophy size or, or antler measurements. Um, and I really like to post uh, just because it, I think it really clarified a few things that, you know, people may get worked up about when it comes to when it comes to bowls and, and measuring. And so, you know, let's, let's maybe talk about that for a minute. Well, to be perfectly honest, I, I don't know the whole history. Um, I've, I've never been all that interested in it. I'm, I'm not an inches guy. If, if you follow my platforms at all, I, I, I kind of get worked up about it a little bit. I, I do like inches. I don't say that they're a bad thing. Uh, as hunters, it's okay for us to, kind of have a standard of what we want to accomplish. You know, back in the day, my grandpa's day, a 30 inch buck was what everyone wanted to kill. It had nothing to do with how big the deer was. It could have been some 160 inch, three and a half year old buck. If he was wide, he killed a big one. Um, our scoring system that, that's gone so big, the Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young scoring system, it has its place. No doubt it, it's there and it, to a degree, it's important, especially like for my job, I'm guiding people um, that don't know. They, they they can see it's big, but they don't know if it's a giant, right? Allowing me to, the, the inches system allows me to be able to tell them, this is how big he is. He is trophy status. He can, you know, he, he can go down in the record books if that's your goal. Um, I, I think there's a lot of, faults to that system and i'm not a huge fan I, you're talking about brian schiller's post right yeah right. yeah um it, it, my whole thing with that post <laughs> so <laughs> it, i just i had some kid call me out um on one of my other bulls saying and, and the, it, the whole thing was kind of a misunderstanding and for the most part and me and that kid hashed it out but the the initial basis of the post was that he he didn't see it he couldn't see what I said that bull scored. And he got kind of aggressive with me and started calling names as kids do, whatever. I was a little upset about it. So <laughs> not a little kid. I made a big post on it and explained why that's messed up. Uh, Brian's bull. Um, I didn't guide Brian Schiller. Brian Schiller was a do-it-yourself bow hunter. Um, killed one of the best bulls in the state last year. And if I remember, he's in the top 10 non-typical archery bulls ever killed wow on his way home from his hunt he had well he had called me during his hunt like hey i found this bull i don't know how to hunt him what's your advice i gave him a few tips it panned out <laughs> like it was <laughs> I, you know brian like dude i got so lucky and it, whatever i mean he he did the impossible um just he's pumped about it he's humble about it brian's a great guy but he uh on his way home he swung by showed me the bull. I taped him off. Um, I taped him at 390 or 393. Um, 
something, it got blasted all over social media because it was a huge bowl. Um, Kyle, I remember, you know, just Kuyu and Western Session and Zach Griffith and all these people reposting this 393 bowl. Um, I was sad about it because I was there when he got put in the books and his bowl went four, at least 405. Jeez. Yeah, it was a giant and Pope and Young even more. You know, to break the 400 mark in and of itself is, I mean, maybe four dozen guys have done it ever. Like, it just doesn't happen, let alone do it with a bow, right? Um, I felt bad putting him in that 390 class. Lots of people saw it. That's where he kind of landed. And until some other publications came out, that's where he sat. And I kind of short-sighted his bull. So this year... I haven't been posting my scores because they're not official, so it doesn't matter. Um, the system requires a 60-day dry period before they can actually put a tape to them and put them in the books. 60 days from the day you kill them. And so for me, I, I, I just haven't had a whole lot of interest in throwing scores out this year because the bulls that we've killed or been a part of, they're big. They're some of the biggest killed in this state this year. You know, Arizona's knocking them out of the park. There's been one or two out of... Nevada and two out of Montana that are just unreal this year. Um, but for Utah, these are some of the biggest bulls killed and I don't want to short side these bulls. It just, it's just not one. It's not that important to me. And so why put it on my platform if it's not important to me Two, um, I don't want these customers to feel short sighted for what it is. So eventually they'll get scored and I'll post it up. I don't hate the scoring system. I'm just, it's not that important. If, if it was a 350 bull that I liked, I'm all about it. Let's kill him, you know? <laughs> so that was all that post was about was me being upset. Some kid was calling me out on an inches game. That's not really that important, right? <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, you know, I'm looking at this picture right now and I mean, it's a freaking monster bull and it's not even just long and wide, but just the mass on those antlers is... I mean, I swear it's huge. Um, you know, I'll post up uh, I'll post up a link to this picture, but it is just gorgeous bowl. And Brian, you know, is an awesome guy. Oh, he uh, the best. I got a got a chance to run into him at Total Archery Challenge, and he made me feel like the coolest guy in the world. Um, I rolled up, and he's like, "Hey, I listen to your podcast," and I was just like, I was like floored, man. I felt like the biggest rock star in the world, and he like absolutely even aside from everything else would have been my favorite person in the world <laughs> just from that alone. Yeah, no, Brian's a stud. But uh, good guy. Uh definitely got some cool kids that are all uh all getting into hunting themselves and yeah. Those those boys they they're <laughs> damaged for life. <laughs> they they <laughs> it's going to be silly. They're going to crush it. Oh man, I pity I pity anyone trying to hunt elk in a unit after that family. Yeah. That's for sure. For real. Um, speaking of just this year and, uh, the elk hunting in general, um, how did, uh, you know, how did the season go, uh, compared to maybe past years, things like that? Uh, what, what differences have you seen in this season compared to some others? Um, 2017 kind of, uh, I don't know how to, it I kind of hit the nail on the head. Everything came together perfectly. It was like the preseason rut hit right when it was supposed to. The moon phase was kind of in our favor, which means 
we had daytime movement. We had a lot of like just uh, our preseason for elk isn't really your trophy scene. It's um, it's a lot of small bulls pushing cows around. But what it does, it gets everything kind of moving, and it just like it's like whitetails. It, the more movement you get, they're kind of cruising around just checking for herds. The easier it is to kind of track them down and find them because you're getting more day movement. Um, as the rut kicked in, we had um, no moon for the 20th of September, which is always prime. Um, last year we had a full moon. Last year the the rifle hunt was tough. Your first five days were awful. All the rut activity was going on in the middle of the night, and then daytime it was dead quiet. This year, daytime, all day, rut, craziness, bulls everywhere. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I had days we called in over 20 bulls. They weren't big, but we called them in lots, <laughs> bulls after bulls. I this uh, my, this rifle hunter I had this year, I told him, I said, man, you got the best experience that I've ever seen, and I've been guiding 15 years, like. It was just craziness. So this September in particular was funner than most. Um, there's a ton of work. I, that's that's no lie. And and again, say what you want about trophy hunting. There's nothing easy or fun about it to an extent. Um, it's frustrating. It's uh, frustrating for a hunter to sit and pass bull after bull after bull. Um, it's frustrating as a guide to be out there that long, be away from your family. Um, but in the end... You never kill giants by shooting big. So it's nice to have clients that are there to kill something giant and, and pass big bull after big bull after big bull. In that extent, it's fun. So this year was phenomenal. Like we knocked it out of the park. So do you get, uh, cause I imagine to some extent, like you said, you have to have a certain type of client that's going to be willing to, pass by not just small bulls, but big bulls to get to that, like his trophy class, just giant, dirty, gnarly bull. Do you tend to work with a lot of the same customers each year or is it, uh, is there, is there something that you look for when you're talking with uh, potential clients? Well, no, it's nice to have people with a lot of experience. Um, Say my archery guy this year, for instance, um, he's killed. God, I forget what he told me. It, I mean, it's close to twenty bulls with a bow. Uh, he's been guiding Colorado. He's he hunts two or three states a year. He just killed another three twenty three thirty type bull in Montana just last week. I mean, the guy he's just a killer. And so when he came to me and and wanted to hire me, he had a particular bull in mind that I posted on Instagram. What are our chances of killing him? I told him what they were, and he, he was in. And I don't know how many big bulls he passed over the 350, 360 mark, but um, I, I would say at least six that most guys would have hammered in a heartbeat with a bow. We're, we're not talking rifle season. We're not talking even muzzleloader. This is archery. To, to pass bulls that caliber is insane. Um, but he did it, and it was because he had that, mentality and he knew that we had a really good chance statistically our, our everything was in our favor it was just a matter of lining up the days and the distance and everything else this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So, um, you know, I mean, you definitely, it sounds like, have, have gotten some monsters. Do you have any, not necessarily from this year, but just any favorite stories that stick out? Um, well, I, so, well, and this could go along with uh, Brian Schiller's bowl. One of my favorite um, elk stories to tell, it goes along with the whole inches thing, right? Um, I had a lady show up, uh, and this was in Utah's prime years, 2007, maybe eight, uh, where Utah was killing close to 20 a year over four. Um, it seemed like we had a 16 year and a 14 year, just a bunch. This lady showed up. And I, I don't know what she was expecting. I, I hiked her pretty hard first day. Uh, that night, she she had knee problems, like yourself. She she was like, you know, I just can't do another hike like that. And I was like, you know what? Let's take it easy. Let's go cruise around the four wheelers. We went for a quick little drive. Um, pulled over in a spot. I left it, let out a bugle. Had a just giant gnarly bull hit me back, really close. Like it surprised me because we had been riding the four wheelers. They were loud, right? But he responded. We worked in within 15 minutes. I had her within 30 yards. She wondered what the score was. I told her, you know, 370 type bull and she passed, which is fine. It's opening day and um, just is what it is. So uh, we filmed him some more. I sent my camera guy up at the time I was working for Christensen Arms. Um, he went and filmed him. We got back to camp and we're going through film and I was like, God, might be bigger than I thought. I took the video up to some other guys. They were like, Ryan, that bull 390 all day. Well, okay. I, you know, I've missed him before. We're fine. Went back, told her. She said, let's go after him tomorrow. Took us another day or two. We killed him. Um, and it was awesome. She was super pumped. She was, was hugs and kisses and pictures and smiles and fun. And so she was like, what does he score? And I said, you know what? He's probably 370 bull. Um, we ran the tape. Again, I always run a really tight tape, and I had him at 374 or 6 or something. And she was mad. She uh, didn't talk to me the whole hike out. In fact, she went home. Um, she's like, I'll come back on, you know, two days from now and pick him up. Um, I got an appointment, and she left. No tip, hadn't paid yet. She was just this total awful lady, right? All, all over score. <laughs> so... Anyway, I'd run into these horsemen while scouting. I knew where they were camped. I kind of hit them up. I said, hey, we got a bull down in this area. And he said, well, yeah, I'll come help you get it out. So they come up the next morning. I had them all quartered. We threw them in the panniards, started riding out. And the, the guy said, uh, oh, no, I, I looked at the horse. I said, Man, that's, that's a big gun on your horse. Like, what are you doing packing that much heat around for? And he goes, oh, I got an elk tag. I said, really? And he goes, yeah. I, I was going to ask you, can we – can we come hunt here tomorrow? And I said, no, we can go right now. They can take the horses out. Me and you, let's <laughs> And he's like, oh, okay, that sounds fun. So me and him bailed off the ridge, uh, started working over the bull that I actually had been looking for with her. Um, I knew he was big, 380 plus, like just a solid bull for the area. Really wide, seven by eight. Um, took us about an hour and a half and – he passed him once because he thought his G6 was a G5 and it was too short. And I was like, no, dude, he just, I said, you just let a 400 inch bull walk. And he's like, what? And I, 
said, don't worry, we'll get him back. So we worked him again for a minute and he killed him. And it was awesome, right? Uh, the guy was just humble, excited about it. Just He had a son die that year and some abnormal heart thing. I, I mean, he literally was tears and gratitude. And I mean, it was just the most amazing experience, right? Um, that bull did break four. I don't remember by how many. Seemed like he went 403 or 404. Just whatever he was, he was big. And he was just, it was just a night and day experience between somebody who just was just happy to be there and kill a giant bull. And regardless of score, he never asked me once to tape it off. He, he didn't care, right? It was just big and he was excited to be there and then have this other person that was, it was all happy and fine and good until the, the inch, the tape measure came out and she was mad. And in the end, her bull ended up scoring 384, 385, something like that. And she was happy, but it wasn't until those numbers popped up that she felt okay about the bull. And so, you know, that, that was one of the greatest experiences of my life, like within 24 hours, killing two bulls of that caliber. And at the same time, it, it really kind of defines trophy hunting out here. I, I mean, it's a sad game, even though it's a fun game. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I don't know. It it amazes me sometimes that that people can get so, but you know, because I'm I'm so new to all of this, and you know, I I had a a less than uh, elk filled elk filled trip this year, um, and you know, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion like I'm like I would be happy to see a bull, let alone shoot one. Um, you know, that's still that's still what I'm looking forward to for next season is just getting to see one or, you know, getting within a hundred yards of one and hearing them bugle up close and, and stuff like that. And the idea of shooting, you know, a 370 bowl for me is like, Holy crap. That that's like, you know, the Holy grail for me right there. Just shooting a bull period, let alone some of that size. And I think, I think some people tend to lose that. Um, you know, I've gotten to talk to a lot of, a lot of really great people about elk on this podcast. And, uh, you know, fortunately most of them, you can tell, you know, they still get as excited about any bull coming in, you know, they may not, they may or may not shoot it, but they'll get just as excited about any bull that any bull that comes in, regardless of the size. Um, and you know, I guess, you know, people can all have their own experiences and they can, they can hunt for what they want to hunt for, but, it kind of bums me out a little bit uh, that that there are that there are people that forget that excitement over what they're doing, you know. Well, that that's the problem with the industry. Uh, like, really, like the the demographic we share uh, is a bunch of alpha males, right? Like, for the for the most part, you know, it's growing and the demographics are spreading, but very slow. Um, everyone's got to have their two cents, and everyone's done the biggest and the best. So it. It's it's fine. It's nice to hear stories and compare and chat and listen to people. Um, that, that's the only thing I don't like is the whole, about the inches thing. Is is that is that people have to feel like they need to measure their success by that when that's not what it's about at all, like at all. And yeah, I run a different outfit. My guiding and outfitting is you know we go for that older age class and we kill the biggest bulls possible. But you've got to understand. Um, this is units that takes 20 years to draw. 
These are units that, in fact, if you are not over the point creep as a California resident, which you are, right, you cannot ever beat the point creep. You will never have the opportunity to hunt where I guide unless you want to purchase a tag and they sell for 30,000 plus. And so that's why it's so important to go for trophy age class on that unit is because it's so rare. Mm -hmm. It's like getting to a, a Marco Polo. You know, unless you have the money, it's not happening. And so it's a different. Dude, you can have the most epic elk hunts every single year in so many places. And and it's one thing I if, if I could tell every beginner, like, just go kill stuff. Just go kill things. Just get a cow tag in four different states. Utah, you can buy a spike tag every single year. And you're hunting on the limited entry units where the giant bulls live. And you can go in there and kill a spike in the middle of the herd with a 380 class bull. You can get that trophy experience and just shoot a spike bull every single year. You can draw New Mexico every three to four years. You can draw Wyoming every five to six years. You can draw, I mean, there are so many places you can buy permits over the counter in Idaho, which you know, every single year. In Colorado, same thing. You can either, if you don't get a decent draw tag, which you can get every three to four years, there's some units that are 20 plus in Colorado, but not many. But, you know, you can get decent tags under five years. And if not, you can buy it for under two grand. Seems like a lot, but really, oh, you can get a voucher and go kill a decent elk in Colorado every single year. And so if there's any advice I can give to people, like if you want to learn how to elk hunt, if that's what your drive is, is that what your goal is on your bucket list? You just go kill stuff, kill and kill and kill and kill and kill. Just learn how to do the meat, learn how to pack them out, learn how to quarter a bowl. Dude, you can quarter, you can bone an elk out in an hour and a half with a guy who knows it's fast. It's easy. It's not complicated. It's, but you've got to do it 10 times, right? <laughs> like you've got animals on the ground. You've got to try a few times before you get it right. And so, you know, there's a lot of guys. Oh man. I want to say it was Corey Jacobson, but I don't know if that's right. I remember talking to somebody. They're like, Oh, I had six years where I didn't even kill an elk. I, I couldn't get it down. I, I was getting them close and this wouldn't go out. And this wasn't, I mean, that's elk hunting, right? It, it takes some time to figure it out just like anything else. It, it's like landing your first kickflip on a skateboard. Like you've got to try it 10,000 times before everything comes together. And so elk hunting is, is just that it's just a monotonous like game of just trying and trying and trying and trying. And then eventually something starts clicking and you just own it. So I, I don't know. I, I think the romantic part of elk hunting, you can get, 10 times a year if you work for it. You know, this this year wasn't uh wasn't my year, but it definitely opened my eyes to what I'm going to be able to do next year. And you know, I've already got uh you know, I've got to I've got to figure out some stuff with with vacation time with work and whatnot, but I've already got some good plans and uh some ideas for a few different states and I definitely I definitely am going to need to make it back to Idaho because I de- I can't let I can't let that high country out there beat me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that's the other thing too is I put so much on one single hunt. 
that I could have gone a little bit easier on that hunt and, and done a few different ones and, and, uh, probably enjoyed myself a lot more rather than, uh, blowing out a couple of knees and, <laughs> well, and, and elk hunting, I mean, really it's not all that complicated. I tell people all the time, I kill my biggest bulls or road. Um, elk, when they rut, they're just stupid. So if you can get a certain tag, it, it's not hard. You don't have to be in the furthest back country of no land to succeed on elk. Um, it, it's a matter of having the right access to the right piece of property. You know, they're, they're plains dwellers. Like that's, you can do it a lot easier, but that back country hunt, being successful on one of those hunts, you've got to do in your lifetime once or twice. And so, like, because nothing's better to be able to kill a bull, break it down, pack it out on your own to it. That is an accomplishment that very few actually do and do well. And so, yeah, don't give up on that. That's great. But yeah, start, start fishing around. You'll find it's a lot easier than you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely got some plans and uh, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of my new friends have taken pity on me and I've gotten, uh, I've gotten quite a few invites. How about next year you, uh, instead of going and, uh, disappearing off into the back country by yourself, you come hunt with me this year. <laughs> um, and so I've got, uh, I've got some cool opportunities to hang out with some awesome people and chase. It's still, in my opinion, one of the coolest animals in the world. Um, so I'm super excited about next year. I'm already, you know, I still got I still got plenty to do. No, no more elk for me this year, probably as far as I know. But uh, I still got plenty to do this year. But I'm already uh, I'm already focused on next season and and planning for that and getting ready for that. And so I'm I'm already already super excited for my my 2018 elk. Well, don't don't wait until September to, to get involved with it either. Um, you're in Los Angeles, is that right? Yeah. He, you're not too far from a lot of places in, in Nevada where you could be into some really cool elk. It wouldn't be impossible for you to take a weekend and just go see bulls. Um, go in February and check them out, go in March and pick up their sheds, like be involved with it without having to invest a ton. Does that make sense? Like you can go see elk. Your 2018 elk hunt could start this December. Just with a camera and, you know, some good gas money, you can be in an area and go chat some bulls and just kind of learning just to see them, to, to spot their color, how it sits out, it stands out. It really does. Like, I always tell people in the summertime, like spotting elk in a lot of these places is like finding the red bulbs on a Christmas tree. They got red hides and everything's green and they stand out like a sore thumb. But to someone who doesn't, they don't see it. And so... You know, start your 2018 early. Go go check out some bulls in some just different places because it's not that complicated. It's just a matter of just doing it constantly. I, I'm lucky enough I can see elk right behind my house. I, I mean, literally, I can spot bulls every day of the week from my house. But not everyone has that, and and I do, I don't have that with whitetails. You thought I didn't even have any, but that's my that's my drive. A lot of years, I I do Nebraska, Ohio. This year, I have Iowa. I've done all these other states. There's no whitetails here, but I have to get out there and just go, you know, to try to figure it out. So I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like you with elk, man. That's a, that's a <laughs> eight, eight, 
for me. And the more I go, the more I'm learning. You know, this is my seventh year chasing whitetails. Now that I've drawn Iowa, I'm hoping to kill a better age class buck. But for the most part, I've, I've just killed a lot of younger, like 130 type bucks. And I love it. I, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that it's not the biggest deer on the mountain, but one of these days, <laughs> it's going to click for me, you know? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, I think that's one thing definitely. Because, I mean, I got I got even this year, I got kind of started a lot later in the game. You know, I mean, I didn't really start, and I, you know, I'd say until maybe February, really start prepping for elk. You know, I just, I mean, I knew they were an animal, but I didn't really ever... I don't know. It wasn't a thing. You know, I, I kind of started out, I'd sat in a tree stand a couple of times looking after some whitetail and I didn't know about all this backcountry stuff. Uh, and had a buddy start telling me about it and be like, no, this is something you can do every year, man. Like you don't have to wait till you have $50,000 and have been hunting for 20 years. And so, you know, when I found that out, I just got super pumped and the, you know, uh, the more podcasts I listened to, the more, more I read, the more I checked out, I just, I, I became obsessed. Um, but I do think that's one thing I was kind of missing. I wish I'd done more of was either find a way just to uh, find some time or a way to just get out somewhere and observe elk and just be in the country. Um, you know, even if it's not necessarily exactly where I'm going to hunt, but just somewhere, you know, take a weekend trip. Like you said, it's not that hard for me to get out to Nevada or to Arizona or to New Mexico. And, uh, you know, also, uh, take the time to offer to help other hunters. You know, I know enough hunters at this point that I'm sure would be more than, more than glad to have somebody, uh, hang out at camp and help them pack stuff and cook and, and do all that. And I, I've, that's one thing I've kind of passed along to a lot of a lot of my friends now that are where I was eight, 10 months ago, um, started reminding them, you know, you don't, you can, you can learn a whole lot more, you know, just by helping someone out than necessarily just trying to do everything on your own. Um, you know, if your first season is just, you know, maybe, you, maybe you get a tag for, for later in the season, but you go out with some people and, and really, um, take a chance to learn from them in exchange for, uh, you know, holding the camera or carrying some extra gear. I mean, that's invaluable right there. That's just beyond invaluable. And solid advice. Super solid. In fact, that that's probably where I got a lot of my start. I just, I, I just wanted to be there and Utah big bull tags are so hard to come by. I was just following guys around. Hey, you got bow tag. I can call back and call for you. And to a lot of guys, that's invaluable because elk hunting, especially into the rut of a two-man team, um, if you're by yourself, it's twice as hard. Elk this uh, uh, game with you, it's, it's almost it's where that they'll hear you calling, they'll pinpoint you, they'll come to you, but they stop at that 100, 140-yard range. They don't pop in. They'll just sit and skirt around you and bugle and scream and 
it, it gets frustrating if you don't know what you're doing. If you have a collar but knows how to work the wind, um, he can pull those elk in on a string. Game's over. Yeah, I mean, they'll go running right by your shooter. And it, it's an amazing thing when, once you learn how to pull that off. But the reason I learned from other guys, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's solid advice on your part because the, the more you jump in and want to help other people, the more you learn. Yeah, and that's definitely that's definitely part of my plan next year is just whoever I get to, you know, hunt with. You know, I may have a tag there or not, but it'll be good to it'll just be good to be out with someone with some experience and uh, that can definitely show me uh, show me a few things that I because there's still plenty that a whole lot that I still need to learn. But yeah, so uh, as we're uh, as we're kind of winding down, what. Uh, is there any other advice you might have for someone, say, from the city or even just any new hunter that's that's like, you know what, this sounds awesome. Elk, cool animal, I want to get out and hunt them, but it's just, you know, I'm too intimidated, there's too much to learn. What would you, what advice would you give that person? Have a Have, have a humble approach. Talk to everyone you can talk to. Elk hunters love to talk about elk hunting. Talk to people. The more you can absorb the things they've learned and the things they've done, the less miles you have to put on your boots to figure it out. Elk hunting takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of years. Just like anything, I'm not saying elk hunting is like this super hard thing. It's really not. It's just a matter of kind of learning habitat, learning the habits, the I mean, they have routines. Elk have routine just like you and I do. It's crazy. You know, they get up at a certain time. Night times they go downhill and in the mornings they go up. And that's across the board, across the nation. It's always the same. Um, most of my bulls I catch on a routine. They, they, they just like on a clock, they'll hit one camera and then two camera and then three camera. And then they do in this big four mile radius circle. And once you kind of learn habitats and routine and all that stuff, everything starts clicking, but it takes just being there a lot to figure it all out. And I, I just think it, it's one of those things where you just talk to the more people that you can, that you, you put in for all the hunts you can afford. And once you finally draw, don't stop talking about it. You post it on social media. You start following all the guys that hunt in those areas. You start talking to biologists. You make tons of phone calls. You make a lot of DMs, social media is great for that. Um, but you've got to kind of have a humble approach to all of it. The second you start peacocking around about how big a bulls you've killed or how much experience you have, the less guys want to talk to you. And so, uh, you know, the biggest piece of advice I already gave you is just go kill stuff. Just kill them. Just every day, shoot your bow. If, if, if guns are your things, join a range. Um, wintertime, I shoot in three or four different leagues. Um, not because I need the practice. I do, but more than anything, it's just like to talk with other hunters to, to market, build friendships. And I, that's why I like winter league. I, I mean, and I do, I, I shoot three or four nights a week in six different shops because I just like to see people. And we have an amazing community. If everyone treats each other right and a second start bullying and the second guys start like measuring inches and talking about their, you know, big egos. The second, all the fun just goes out the door. So um, my, my advice would just 
be to just do it. Just be out there and go and have a good attitude about it. Because it's as fun or as crappy as you want it to be. <laughs> All right. So if folks wanted to find you or uh, hunt down DC Outfitters uh, online, maybe give you guys a call if they've uh, if they've hit the those max points. Um, where uh, where's the best place to find you at? Um. I, I mean, I run all kinds of social media. I have a website, but I don't use it. I never check in on it. I have no need for any of that stuff. I, if I decide to guide, um, I fill up pretty quick, a couple years in advance. So um, I do run a pretty good social media game um, when, I, when I'm not sick of it like I am right now. But <laughs> um, Instagram, I pop up pretty fast. At Facebook, I don't have near as many followers, that kind of stuff. But uh, Twitter, Snapchat, I have all that. So anywhere where there's a decent social media following, you could probably dig me up somewhere. <laughs> all righty. And I'll make sure to post up some links to those so people can uh, can check that out, all the, the latest trail cam photos and uh, arguments with kids over uh, over antler size. Yeah. and <laughs> It's entertainment. Always. You know, it's... Uh, you know, I, I've, I've learned, uh, I've kind of been on, I mean, you're well aware I've been on the butt end of some stuff recently and I look back on that now and I just laugh at it. It's just, you know, social media zoo and, and it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. And, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta scrap every now and again, keep things interesting. Dude, it, <laughs> social media is just like high school. It, it really is. There, there's the popular kids. There's the bullies. There's the jocks. There's the there, there's room for everybody in all types. And the the bullying's going to be there. The punches are going to be there. But percent of it's positive, and it, it's it, everything's pretty good. It, it's just uh, it it takes all types, and you got to roll with all types to make it work. So yeah, never let it bruise your ego. For sure, keep rolling. Like it's not that big a. <laughs> Because you will. You get over it and you laugh about yep. it later. Well, thank you so much for hopping on today, man. I really uh, appreciate you taking the time out and uh, hope uh, you're able to uh, finish up the rest of the year and uh, get some of those whitetail you got coming up. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on. It's always good chat. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 42 of Living Country in the City. Make sure you give Ryan a follow on Instagram. Go check out all of those awesome monster bull photos. If y'all are lucky enough to draw a tag for a unit that Ryan guides in, make sure y'all give DC a call. You won't find a better experience out there. But you can find links to all that info on our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 42. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're subscribed and give us a quick rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. But until next time... Keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com.